Good morning and welcome to our service for Palm Sunday, the sixth and last in Lent. This is a day when we start by remembering the crowds cheering as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and they all thought, it's happening, the Messiah has come. But the palm crosses that are so often given out on this day are in the shape of a cross. And the palms that were waved enthusiastically are actually very frail and feeble. And you can turn them very quickly into something else. We're going to let Pam read to us from Paul's letter to the Philippians to say something about what was going on and how this is our pattern. And we have a long reading from Luke's Gospel telling the story of the Passion. But for now, let me begin using the collect for this week, which sets the scene. Almighty and everlasting God, who in your tender love towards the human race sent your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, to take upon him our flesh, and to suffer death upon the cross. Grant that we may follow the example of his patience and humility, and also be made partakers of his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
A reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, from verse 5. In your relations with one another, have the same mindset as to Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 23. It's a longer reading than usual. If you were in church, I'd suggest that you sit down and make yourself comfortable. And it's not my favorite story, but see how you react. Then the whole assembly rose and led Jesus off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learnt that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends, because before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion, I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. 
As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore I will have him punished and will release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their command, their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him Jesus. A number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man 
has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. All the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place. They beat their those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. O oh God, help us to listen to your word with understanding, to receive it with faith, and to obey it with courage, for Jesus Christ's sake. We don't often have readings that long, and I wonder how you react. Do you like it? Do you find it difficult to follow? Do you lose concentration? Well, let me just give you a couple of short comments, and perhaps suggest that you go back and look up that 23rd chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, and maybe read it to yourself or find another version which might cast a bit more light on it for you. What's going on here? Well, the first thing I want to say, perhaps oddly, is that this is no accident. For every one of the Gospel writers, all four this time, not all three as it sometimes is, this is the moment the story is leading up to this is the climax. It's not a mistake. It's not an unfortunate thing that shouldn't have happened. Every Gospel writer sees the death of Jesus as the climax and the victory. And that, well, that's a bit of a shock, isn't it? That's not usually how we see success. And it remains a challenge for all of us to come to terms with the fact the cross is the way God chose to deal with the situation of a world in a mess which needed saving. I wouldn't have done it Perhaps you wouldn't have done it like that either. But God chose to do it like that. And... It takes a bit of getting used to. And that takes us to a second point. God is in charge. 
the disciples fail, well, rather miserably. They're not there with Jesus. They haven't even at this point understood what's going on. The governing authorities, the educated elite, well, they fail to govern. Education doesn't make them wise. The course of justice, the courts and the lawyers, that's a bad joke. There is no justice here. Human failure is all through this story. But the good news is that human failure does not prevent God succeeding in a loving plan to bring salvation and hope despite everything. And that's a very important message. It may be a clue to other things that puzzle us. You could think of the war in Ukraine. You could think of the suffering of two years of Covid. People lost during that time. So, Jesus' passion, the climax of the Gospel, Jesus' passion, a reminder that God is in control despite the worst that people can do and fail to do. Which means, of course, that as we go back to that story of Jesus going from the Sanhedrin before we started our reading to Pilate, to Herod, back to Pilate, Actually, a double trial going on in each case. Those who think they are able to stand in judgment over a troublemaker are themselves being judged unfavorably. Pontius Pilate is remembered in history for very little apart from the way he dealt, misdealt with Jesus. Herod the Great is a pretty ruthless character. He is remembered for his interaction with Jesus. And, oh dear, in the same way, our reaction to the story of Jesus, our judgment on what he said and what he did and whether it means anything for us, is also going to record a judgment on us. Hmm. There's a lot in this story. There's a lot in this week. But don't let the detail take you away from the main point. The story of Jesus' death is the centre of the good news. And if you don't understand how, it is really, really important that you find out. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for a Saviour who was prepared to come to the world in a mess, who lived a very human, poor life, and wasn't well served by his family or his friends. For all that he was and all that he did, and for the hope that we, he brings, we give thanks. Help us to understand, to respond, and as St Paul urged us, to have his attitude for ourselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who want to follow Jesus, to be his people, to take advantage of what he has given for the church of today. We pray for our leaders, for John our bishop and Adrian our vicar. We pray for all those others who lead groups and congregations, assemblies and fellowships in different traditions, different organisations. We pray for those around the world, many of them in much more difficult physical conditions than we are, that they may be encouraged in their faith and live it to the full. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our world, a world still in a mess, Violence, injustice, poverty, refugees. We ask your guidance and help for those who have it in their power to make a difference. For rulers, for military commanders, for economists and those who shape the distribution of food, the provision of shelter, education, the policies around the movement of refugees and the provision for them. And we ask that you'll help us to use whatever influence we have as voters or lobbyists or simply people who talk with friends for good, for justice and for hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We bring to you, Father, those whose lives are blighted by crisis, pain, illness, worry, for whatever reason. Help us to help those we know about and to be sensitive to their needs and their need for dignity. Help us to respond to the news we hear via the media. And again, to be discerning in what we believe and practical where we can do something to help. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
And we pray for ourselves as we read again the story of Jesus' betrayal, abandonment, torture and death. Help us to understand that it was for us he came and died. Remind us how, lifted high on a cross, he draws to himself people of all sorts, all races, all conditions. And help us gladly and willingly to be among those who are drawn to him, to understand what we can understand, to adopt his attitude, to rejoice in his love and to share it in whatever ways we can. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
And so we come to the end of this another service. Thank you for joining us. Yes, we are able to go to church and to share in actually being with one another now, but we recognize that some of you value being able to join us remotely, and there are many good reasons why that is so. Now, let me send you into Holy Week. I hope for you it is a Holy Week, in whatever way is helpful and useful, that you are able to remember some of the events, and that they will shape the way you live and interact with family and friends, work and leisure. So, go in peace. Go as one who follows in the way of Jesus. Try to be a loyal friend, a good neighbour, one who knows the love that has been given and looks to share it. And may God's blessing be with you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with you, your family and those you just happen to meet, now and in the future. Amen.